Hello, and welcome to another engaging episode of Cyber Speaks Live, the InfoSec podcast recorded in front of a live online audience, giving you, the community, a voice that can be heard around the world. We're live Wednesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And now it's time for your host, Duncan McAllen. Hello everyone, my name is Duncan Macklin, your host for Cyber Speaks Live. This is a Wednesday evening, seven o'clock central, 5 p.m. Pacific, eight o'clock Eastern, who cares about the mountains? No, I'm joking, I'm joking guys. That means this is another episode of Cyber Speaks Live and tonight I have a an incredible guest joining us. I am so excited to get into this and start talking about everything that he does and how he does it and really just getting to look behind the curtain, so to speak. But before we do, let's get back to our illustrious Cyber Clusters of the Week. Now this is our segment where we take the top three cyber cluster bleeps that have occurred during this past week since our last show and like i said we have a couple doozies here so let me go ahead and kick it off the first one so we're gonna go with number three ada for nearly 12 million quest diagnostic patients may have been exposed as a result of another contractor related you know data breach the same kind of thing that we saw happen with Target, right? Where we have some intermediary contractor involved in the process. And as a result, this organization, I think it's American Medical Collection Agency or AMCA, uh, told Quest on May 14th that it had suffered a possible incident, but was unclear exactly when the hack may have occurred. Um, so yes, basically we're talking about personal information, including financial data, social security numbers, medical records, you know, except for the laboratory test results. Now I am, uh, just due to some medical issues that I have, I, uh, you know, have had numerous visits to Quest over the past two years. Uh, so I am highly, suspect to be a member of this particular data breach but you know let's not let quest take the full cake here right because their top competition is who labcorp and just today guess what folks labcorp said hey we will want in on the action and they have 7.7 million records that were also exposed by guess what the exact same third-party vendor way to go guys amca you are the champions not only did you screw over you know a quest but you also managed to do their top competitor as well so congratulations to you for number three cyber cluster of the week next the dutch data protection authority guess what these guys are the ones who are responsible for handling all the gdpr related data breach notifications and incident response right well they managed 
to have their own data breach in the past week. And ironically, it was an email which exposed the email addresses of 38 journalists and editors on May 24th. The irony though, is that this email was designed to raise awareness about Europe's GDPR data protection legislation. Now, who do they report this data breach to? Well, they decided to report it to themselves. They actually did log the incident that they themselves had breached the confidential information of these 38 journalists. Problem is, they failed to meet their own requirements and GDPR's requirements for notification within the 72-hour window. So again, way to go, guys. And then lastly, whew, I don't even know if I want to put this one out there because I swear I make a concerted effort to not discuss politics or religion publicly, right? You can check my feed, folks. Look at Twitter. I don't discuss politics or religion publicly. It's a hard, steadfast rule with me. However, this one is not a, a uh, so much a political issue, and it's not, um, I don't know. Uh, let me just say what it is here. So FireEye announced their keynote speaker for their upcoming conference. Now, FireEye is so big that they do host their own annual conference, like a lot of cybersecurity companies out there, right? They have announced the former U.S. Secretary of State, Hillary Rodham Clinton, will be their featured keynote at their Cyber Defense Summit in October, joining the company CEO, Kevin Mandia, for what they are calling an intimate Q&A keynote. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I cannot imagine the questions that former Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton is going to get on the stage. The complete absurdity of this in hindsight of everything that has transpired over the past three, four years with this particular individual, regardless of party affiliation, it's an absurd prospect to have her as a keynote speaker at a cybersecurity conference. Now, if you want to fight me on this one, bring it. Show up at the next episode. Hit me up on Twitter at InfoSecWar. I would love to have this debate, but that is the number one cyber cluster of the week. Now, let me go ahead and get into introducing tonight's special guest. And like I said, I am so excited to, to have him here, to learn from him, just to glean insights. And, and like I said earlier, to pull back the curtain and see the wizardry that takes place here. So tonight I am joined by the host of the hugely, wildly popular podcast series, Darknet Diaries, 
Jack Resider. Jack, did I say it right this time? Yep, you got the name right, Jack Resider. Thank you, fantastic. So Jack is a veteran of the cybersecurity world, right? He gained his professional knowledge in the industry by working for a Fortune 500 SOC, um, you know, which is basically a place where threats in, are, are detected and stopped, right? And during that time, he was exposed to hundreds of client networks ranging from schools to government agencies, financial institutions, commercial organizations, you name it. Um, now, Jack is spending his time making this a hugely popular Darknet Diaries podcast series, but most recently, and big applause to you, Jack, he just received the European Security Blogger Awards for Best New Podcast Series, and if I had a ballot in that box, it definitely would have been for you, sir. Now, for those that are listening, I caught Jack... Um, it was, I, I want to say your 10th episode, and it was on a nation state actor. Mm -hmm. And the moment I started playing that episode and heard the theatrics, the music, and your your tone and pitch and how you were just laying this story out there, and the whole espionage theme, I, I literally felt like I was listening to a Hollywood produced movie turned into some kind of uh, you know audio book you know that's what I, I it felt like and I was hooked from right there and there's just been so many other episodes that are hitting right on the sweet spot with me uh, we're gonna talk about some of them but ladies and gentlemen let's give it up Jack Resider. Thank you, Jack, for joining us this evening. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. And, um, you know, doing something creative where other people appreciate, I, I highly encourage everyone to do that because that feeling that, that you just gave me by giving me such compliments is, is a high unlike anything I've ever felt in college or anything. It's, it's such a great feeling and it's, and it's pure and it's clean and it, and it just gets bigger. And, I'm telling you, uh, making something that other people appreciate is just such a such an enormously great feeling to have. So thank you so much for those kind words because you just boosted me up. Well, you totally deserve every single bit of it, and I'm sure the accolades just keep on coming from all different angles for you and for what you're doing, and the unique approach that you take to communicating the message about cybersecurity about information security and data protection and threats and where they're coming from the velocity of them and the veracity of them right um so i i have to give you some credit for what's taking place right this very second you know it was like i said that episode 10 and you're you're about to publish, if I'm correct, episode 40, is that right? Yeah, we're on episode 40 now. Right, and, and you're doing these every two weeks, mm -hmm. if I'm correct. You know, so this is a major commitment that you've had over the past, what is that, year and a half, two years? Yeah, yeah almost two years, sure. Um, yeah, it's been really a, a big deal. Um, it takes a lot of effort, probably 30 hours, maybe up to 70 hours per episode to make each one because there is so much research that goes in and there's so much technical you know, talk that I have to somehow break down as simply as I can. 
and um, and then you know finding the people to get to interview and then putting in the music and doing the editing and, and you know, most of the time the first draft is totally thrown in the trash and I and I've got to just do it again and it's it sucks that you you have to thrash through that stuff to make something great and it's it's like wow what a waste of time I have to start from scratch but really that's what it takes to make something better I hear you I hear you because of course I don't go through anywhere near the length or or, or the amount of post-production editing that you do but I can totally get it I was just having a conversation with my wife um, you know where I had to trim nine minutes out of our previous episode it just went too long and I had to get it back into about an hour time frame which is the top end of what I'm looking for with this podcast series we we want to keep it around that 30 to 45 minutes 45 minutes seems to be about perfect because we're trying to hit those commuter hours we're trying to hit those lunch hours we're trying to hit that oh i just want to listen to something to help put me to sleep you know um so that nine minutes of editing took me over two hours Mm -hmm. to be able to just wind it down and i can't imagine the amount of editing that goes into some of your shows so let's talk about it. What what inspired Darknet Diaries? I, I know you were working in a sock. In from my perception, based off of the bio that you sent me, it sounds like Darknet Diaries is your full time effort now, right? Yeah, that's right. I did. Uh, I I quit the uh, the Infosec gig, and now I'm doing a, a I'm running a media <laughs> media company, basically, but. Right. Went out. Here's what went down. I've always loved computers. I've I've liked security for the last ten years. Okay, and so and then I love podcasts and good storytelling. Uh, so I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, security ones and also storytelling ones. And I thought, where's the one that combines these two? Where there's a good hacker story and a good and is told in a good storytelling way, but is very technical and factual and almost like a documentary. And, and you, it takes you there on the scene because we interview the people who were there and that kind of thing. And that just didn't exist. We had uh, m- many of the uh, InfoSec podcasts were talking to experts in the field and they were given generalities. They never really got into what specifically they were battling. Like, oh, let me tell you the story about when I had the equation group break into my company, right? Like this, these never happen on podcasts. And so I wanted to hear that. And then the other thing I wanted to hear was, uh, let's revisit some of these old threats that we had um, many years ago, like, um, uh, you know, uh, some of these, some of these old threats, like what happened? It, was there a fork? Were they fixed? Uh, what, what were the big things like, um, uh, you know, what happened since that threat? Did they capture that hacker? Like all these things that we never hear, you know, we, we keep on the, the newest news cycle, but then when that capture, when that hacker gets captured, maybe we didn't see that on their news cycle and all these things. So going back in time and then seeing all that stuff and bringing it back in, I thought was, uh, just something that didn't exist out there when I started making it so I thought I'll try and make it myself and I, I read a whole bunch of books on on the subject of, of storytelling and podcasting and uh, probably spent like five or six months trying to figure out how to do this and made one showed it to a few people they loved it and they said do it go uh, we want to hear more of this so um, you know I spent another uh, six months or so doing it and then I just got burnt out at work um, it's just you know 10 years of being there new management tired of it 
uh, decided to take three months break, work on the podcast during that three months break, see if I can make it into something you know, worth worthwhile. And, and during that time, I started making some money. So I thought, okay, I, I think everyone wants me to keep working on this because my, my audience just wanted more of it. So I, uh, I, I added some ads in there and made it sustainable so that I could work on this full time. And, and here we are, it's uh, 39 episodes in and bringing a full time income. Excellent. So what is your active audience right now? How many uh, typical subscribers do you have? Uh, it's hard to measure that specifically, but uh, an average episode gets about 80 or 90,000 downloads per episode. Um, I see Alberto in the chat here and he, uh, his episode that we had had about 85,000 downloads so far. So um, yeah, some of them have gone as high as 100,000 downloads. Um, but yeah, somewhere between 80 and, and 100,000 is pretty much where we're at. Yeah, now we're going to get to Alberto in a minute. I've actually invited him to to participate in tonight's uh, podcast. I, I did think that was a just an amazing story. So many parts of it, you're you're just sitting there shaking your head. But like I said, we'll get to that in a minute. So walk us through a day in the life. What is it about a particular story or? an event whatever the case may be that says to, to jack yeah this is something that i want to do in an episode on how do you make that s selection what is the criteria yeah so there's a lot of things i'm looking for and i can't i kind of straddle three sides three different uh legs here on my show i'm i'm partly a news show i'm partly a um, educational show where you teach you about you know a technology and maybe a little bit of hacking and I'm partly a, a storytelling show where it's entertainment and so those three things have to exist right it has to be a little bit educational a little bit it has a good story and, and, and a little bit maybe some news I don't know maybe we can cut the news out and that's fine but the the thing that I'm looking for is is it a good story do we have strong characters do we have good twists is there a beginning middle and an end sometimes I'll, I'll catch a story and, and you know well the guy hasn't gone to trial yet or something you know and I'm like well we need the end so I'm just gonna hold on hold on this until we have an ending and that was the that was this situation with the latest episode three alarm lamp scooter I had that written out in January but his trial was just last month so I had to wait till his trial before we could know if he's guilty or not guilty um, and then, you know, then I can make an episode. So that seemed to be a you know, logical time to release it is when there was an end. Um, and another thing is my show kind of differs, like I was saying earlier, is I, I don't like to bring experts on very often. I like to bring the people who were there. And so if I can get somebody who actually experienced this, then I have a much more compelling story because now you've got the person who was there and now I can get that emotional, uh, response that they had from getting in or being hacked or whatever it was that they experienced and that's how we connect with other humans is when we hear the human that was there tell us that story and that's when that's when we stop whatever we're doing and just start staring at the radio you know like I can't believe this I'm hearing this person say right. that. that's the most unbelievable audio I, I, I have is when somebody admits to what they've done and it's just really really incredible and some people come to me and say oh you know this person did something so terrible why are you uh you know, why are you giving them a platform to speak on or, or something? Because, you know, a lot of hackers do really terrible things. But I think that's the thing of every episode is there's always a villain in every episode. 
And if I had the hacker speak in every episode, you will probably hate them every single time, unless they were hacking for some really good reason that, that you know they appealed to your senses. But still, somewhere there's always a villain. And yeah, that's what makes the audio also good is because you know you got these people that you might hate that you're listening to, and and you're like, gosh, I hope they get caught. I hope they get caught. I hope they get caught or something. And you know we go through those whole that, all those emotions while you're listening to it. And, yeah. and the other thing is I like to do is, is this big theater of the mind, you know, is there something, is there a place that I can take you to? Is there a, a, a you know, a setting, a, a, a location or something where you can, you can picture it in your mind and maybe I can use music or something to take you there because uh, that's what you're saying is it's, it felt like a big cinematic experience, but there is no cinematic experience. There's nothing to see. It's, an, it's a podcast only. So it's all in your mind, that cinematic experience. And I think that's so powerful. The mind can do that. And I, I just love giving people that experience to escape or wherever they're at you can be washing dishes and at the same time you're in this basement hacking with you know in the world it's crazy to to have the experience it, absolutely and if you're listening into this um not from tonight's lot recording but uh, and you have never listened to a darknet diaries episode i strongly encourage you to do it right now just <laughs> put this one uh, you know back on the bookcase go grab one of jacks uh like i said i jumped in there in episode number 10 that was one of my favorites to listen to this day although you know we we have a pretty compelling one with your guest now being one of uh my audience participants here but i, I want to talk about episode 25 just for a few minutes because it wasn't just this person's story that you outlined so perfectly and, and you put it out there you know you you said hey listen to this guy's story decide for yourself whether or not he's a criminal right and the guy did go to to jail did go to prison or whatever it is down there in, uh at was it Ecuador? Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> no, it's not Ecuador. It's uh, Montevideo. So oh, that is Uruguay. Uruguay. My apologies. My apologies. So, um, but still, there were a lot of other things that you mentioned in that particular episode that I want to get to. But before I do, let me go ahead and bring on uh alberto alberto hill alberto are you there hi can you hear me yeah we can we're getting a little bit of an echo let's see if it settles down but you know okay. you had sent me an email earlier today because you wanted to actually thank jack for talking about your story and i think in there you had mentioned you know because of him, because of Darknet Diaries and, and his storytelling, being able to reach out to you and do the things that he's talked about in, in creating this theater of the mind and illustrating your story and leaving it up to the listeners to decide for themselves whether or not they think you're actually a criminal or not. Um, don't want to rehash the story because I want folks to listen to Jack's episode and truly decide for themselves. But you had reached out to me through the website, sent me an email because 
ultimately you wanted to thank Jack for telling that story. And I thought, hey, what better way to do it than just get you onto the show as well. Let you guys just share a little bit and give us an update on the story. Like we said, um, Jack does these episodes every two weeks. He's about to hit episode number 40, so that's 30 weeks since your episode aired. What's been happening with you since then? And I'll, I'll just turn it over to you, let you give your gratitude to Jack, and then just kind of give us an update on your situation. Well, uh, thank you for having me here. Uh, Jack, I am your stalker number one, as you said. Sorry, I have to be here. <laughs> uh, and the, the thing is that the system here is very, very slow, but many, many things have happened because I was able to access to the file of my case. And there are so many things that are, are makes makes the story even crazier than, than it was told by, by Jack. You know, really, we're just looking for a quick update to kind of get where you're at today, what's going on in your life. Um, I understand that you got a new job after you were released. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, I got that. It was incredible. I was talking to this in another podcast uh, the other day. In my case, I mean, unlike any other criminal which uh, is released from, from jail, that is very hard for, for the person to get a, a job. I mean, in my case, and in most of cases of computer-related crimes, it's like uh, an add-on. You mean you are more valuable for the market, and I, I was offered for a plaintiff's position in a, in a company. Uh, but which basically was fine because I could work from my house without uh, uh, having to, to go to an office and do eight hours, you know. Uh, yeah, right. That's always a, a plus. So yeah. let's do this then. Uh, did you have any final words for Jack before we get back into the podcasting series? No, I just want to uh, mention that he, as you said, he's doing a great job. Uh, he's been rewarded because of the amount of listeners he's having, and I am sure that this is just the beginning. He will get much, much more uh, listeners, and he will he will succeed. He deserves that. He's doing a great job, and this is just the beginning, Jack. So congratulations, and uh, you know, uh, I really appreciate what you did uh, covering my my episode. So thank you very much, Jack. Yes, yes. Uh, I hope uh, all the best for you, Alberto. Um, thanks for everything as well. Now, Jack, there were some points that you had made during that episode that, that I recall. Um, you know, part of Alberto's situation was related to the kits and gears and, and supplies and dress and stickers and all the stuff that goes into kind of our culture, right? Our hacking culture. And, you know, the the police viewed all these items that they had taken out of his apartment as evidence in, in clear cut, he must be a malicious actor. He must be one of the black hats. He must be guilty and, and pretty much held him out there as such from day one from minute one and you called into question you know 
why do we do this? Why do we, why do we sit here pretending to be the white hats and being the good guys? And yet we're so immersed into this black hat hacker culture, going to the cons and, and being in the meetups and wearing the kits and having the stickers on our laptops and all this stuff, right? Yeah. And, and you, you hit on such a point that I think it's because we do want to stop the malicious factors, but the only way that we can really do that is to know their their ways and means. And I loved the movie quote that you had used, keep your friends close and your enemies close. That is definitely something that I have lived by my entire life. It was just part of the way I grew up. But that one from The Godfather um, is definitely right. You know, the best way I can learn to protect and defend my organizations is to know how you're going to try to attack it, right? Yeah. So when it comes to t-shirts and stuff that we wear. Mm-hmm. This is what a hacker this, looks like. This is what a hacker looks like. Put it on because I'm it, buddy. You're yeah. it. You don't have any clue who the hacker is in the room most of the time. So Jack, you got my email address. We've been talking. If you want to shoot me your physical address, even if it's a UPS <laughs> store, I will work with our first guest co-host, Marcus Carey from Threat Care to try to get you one of these. Just be sure to give me your your size as well. But you know, ultimately, that's what we're talking about. You don't know who the hacker is in the room, so the best way that we can learn these kinds of things is to infiltrate the culture or blend into it which you know ends up being things like defcon and black hat and rsa and all the um you know b-sides events around the country around the world right yeah and you know to, to, to carry on that i think that was kind of a theme i had for at least at the beginning of this podcast as well is to not always use the stereotypical hacker looking person as the as the hacker here you know i wanted one hacker was you know a nation state actor he had a desk job in an office in a government facility right that's a hacker that's what a hacker looks like is a person who sits in an office another guy is a is a penetration tester trying to get into a bank well he wears a shirt that says uh you know i'm i'm a hacker <laughs> as he walks into the bank as well so that's what a hacker looks like there was another episode where it was a teenager in his high school class hacking from an iPad in fifth period class. That's what a hacker looks like. And that's where they're doing it. And so it's never, it, it, you know, pretty much all these all these episodes, I, I really can't think of one that was in their mother's basement doing these hacks with the hoodie on and all this stuff. Like that just, that's so the guy who's wearing a hoodie and shades in a dimly lit room. Come on, Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a little different, but I, I like I like that, that that picture for myself, but um, but I, I yeah, that's the thing I'm trying to educate people is that it's not always what you think that hacker looks like, and it's not always for the motives that you think, and it's not always the way you think they got in. You know, a lot of people when they think um, hackers got into my computer or something, oh, it's some magical thing they did some stuff that's way above my, you know, no, all they did was they found their pa your password written under your keyboard, dude. 
Like it wasn't <laughs> a magical thing they did. You were just really dumb uh, at your, you know, exposing yourself. I think one of the uh, funny stories that I was trying to cover once was when um, uh, some politician got hacked who was big time in the news. And uh, she she always talked about her high school. And when she went to high school, this, this, and that, well, her, her password recovery question was, what high school did you go to? And when she's on CNN talking about her high school and her password recovery question is her high school, that's not magic on how to hack into her, you know? That's very simple of like, well, you just said your password recovery question on TV. Right. So let's see if that works to get into your email address. If they're not doing it, by that means then they're putting it on social media through their LinkedIn profiles, through Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, you know, somewhat to a lesser extent, Twitter, just because there's not as much there in the bios, right? But And to bring it back to Alberto, you know, he looked like a hacker in every sense of the way, but he wasn't the actual one, you know, like he, somebody else did the crime that he got in trouble for. Okay. And that's what, um, that's what's really special about his story is like, okay, we finally got, we finally find the person who looks like the hacker, but it's not him. So I think I've been pretty clear about my favorite episode, but do you have a favorite episode? It's always yours? the one I'm working on next because I'm so excited to show you. Um, but I think in this case, I have a legitimate reason. You know, I'm working on this one with I got so many of the actual hackers, there was like a group of hackers that got into these companies and I got so many of them to actually talk to me and I'm in the middle of production on it right now and it's sounding so amazing and so great and the story is a thousand times as crazy than you could ever imagine a story to be. And so this one is definitely gonna put me, like it's gonna raise the bar a 10 times bigger than it's ever had before because it's even a two part episode. And uh, that's oh, the one really? That, yeah, it's really a long one because it's just got so much stuff jam-packed in it. Um, I talked to so many people for over, like, uh, for hours, you know, each, and trying to cram that into one hour at long episodes is just not going to work. So I need two hours to tell the whole story. And, uh, yeah, that's definitely going to be my, my favorite uh, because it's just, it's going to, it's, I, I mean, I could, I could drop, fall on my face through the whole episode and it would still be great. That's how good it is, you know? Like, I, I, I have a good running start with it because it's just such an amazing group of people who are telling it. And um, I'm just there to make sure it doesn't, you know, crash and I think it'll be the best. So let me ask you this, uh, because that does sound incredibly interesting. But looking back over a lot of the episodes i gotta ask how do you get people to work with you to give up the goods to tell the stories and be the i don't want to say whistleblower but to a certain extent um yeah how do yeah, you get them question. to cooperate yeah so for the first 10 episodes i was nervous as could be about asking people Tell me that most painful part of your life. Let's go through that all over again. Okay, let's go step by step. And, and let me back you up whenever I want clarification on what that, you know, terrible feeling felt like. Let's go into that for like a few more minutes and, and talk about how bad it was. Like, how bad did it get? Oh, that doesn't sound so bad. No, really, was it that bad? Let me, let me, you know, twist that knife a little further, you know? Like, I was so nervous to go in. Add some salt. Yeah, it, w it just felt like it was the most terrible thing. And what am I doing it for? Just for a little entertainment so, so few people can listen, right? But I'm telling you, it somehow was opposite. 
after the every time I did went through that, it was opposite. And the person would talk about how they felt like it was a therapy session for them. And they felt so relieved, like some, this is the first person that ever actually listened to their story and cared about it. Because when I am going through it, I'm like really into it. I'm really listening to it because I'm blown away myself. And, and we just get connected in there. And so, you know, I had to get over that fear to begin with. But then when I got through there, then I just knew like, I, I also had a few stories that kind of tested where my bounds are, you know? Am I going to be a whistleblower? Am I going to be a hiding, you know, some convict, you know, some hacker on the run? Uh, you know, I had to learn a lot about uh, journalism and uh, ethics and and discover where my lines are, you know, and, and, and understand what the laws are and all that stuff. But once mm -hmm. I figured all that stuff out and I had the confidence to be able to ask hard questions, then it was easier for me to just uh, find the people and, and clearly say what it is I'm after, you know, like I want you to tell me your story about that time that you went to prison for three years and what you did to get there. And I want to, you know, play it for you, for everyone on my podcast. Are you willing to tell that story? And just be open and honest from the get-go, because the more I am with that, uh, the more they understand what they're getting themselves into and stuff. And, um, you know, when they listen to an episode and they understand how I take it and I, I go through, you know, each step of it and I'm not trying to uh, take any sides on anything. I'm just trying to document what happened. Then a lot of... Uh, a lot of people, you know, agree to it. They're like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll tell it. Or, you know, actually, most people don't even respond. They're just like, if I don't know what, and no way would I ever tell that story. And I'm like, well, it's, I could, it's, there's a million articles on it already. So, uh, you know, I could tell the story for you, but I would better if you could tell it for us. Um, another thing I look, I look for is um, conferences. I listen to a lot of conference talks because they're recorded and uploaded to YouTube. And if somebody tells me a story that they experienced during a conference you know it's already out there might as well just tell it to me again on the on the podcast and i've caught yeah. a few episodes just from that alone go into your mind theater and have a yeah. seat yeah because so, i can improve their storytelling just a little bit i think that's my theory right it's like they might not be good storytellers i could bring it through my filter make it a great storyteller yeah. story and you are very gifted in that regard i i will bow to your greatness uh i don't pretend to be a great storyteller i think i'm a good conversationalist i think i'm a good bullshit artist uh you know <laughs> you now i'm gonna right? have to add <laughs> editing at you know the 42nd minute into this um but i i think what you were just saying about the storytelling and it fits into one of the things that you had sent over about something you would like to talk about and that's how we need to share more of these stories about the battles that we're facing even if it is involving a sensitive situation that we can still share what we went through just redacting the content right yeah exactly um one of the things i started doing when I, when i first started a, an infosec career is blogging about all my lessons learned all my failures all my things that Google didn't have the answer to I got to figure out how to fix this or all the problems that I had mm -hmm. and you know I was blogging about like a particular problem that I had with a particular client and all these things but I scrubbed out all the IPs I didn't talk about the clients name and so it was a problem that was probably shared amongst many other people you know this firewall issue or this threat that had or whatever it was um, and sure enough other people had that same exact problem um, we just didn't 
like the what, what does it matter what the client name is or where location or city it was in it's the same exact threat that they're experiencing too and so yeah sharing that helps us all and there's so many people who I tap on their shoulder and I say, hey, can uh, I, you know, I know you have these good stories. I've heard, you know, these are some of the things that you, uh, you know, took care of. Um, are you willing to talk about it? And they're like, oh, no, you know, I could never, ever, ever, ever talk about that. My boss would kill me or something. And I'm just like, let's take everything out of it that doesn't need to be, you know, every, every piece of sensitive information. So, that, like, we could even change your name. We can disguise your voice, like everything then could we talk about it no we still can't why not because everything it's completely anonymized at this point so some people are just so dreadfully afraid to talk about anything even though they're not under nda or you know and it's, they're not going to discuss anything important but they're just so scared of it and i think uh, that's a mind shift that's a you know i would like to see more sharing out there of that that personal experience that you went through to handle these terrible uh, threats that you took care of or uh, you know whatever it was because i'll tell you what i have an easier time finding hackers, illegal criminal hackers, to tell me their story than I do blue teamers who are willing to talk about a threat that they faced. For some reason, if they're so embarrassed of it, they're so scared to talk about it, they're, they, they can't, like it's so tight-lipped. If there's a breach, if there's a problem, there's no way that they're allowed to talk about it ever. And I think that's such a tra tra tragedy when I'm facing that same problem and I want to know exactly how you handled it and you will not tell us, it's really, it's, it's a pain point to me. And so that's one of the reasons why I make this thing is to say, look, here are some of the other things people are going through. And the one episode, Jeremy from marketing is, a, is an episode where the blue team kind of wins and uh, you know, the defending team. And that episode is probably one of my most downloaded because it traveled it was it became i heard so many people tell me that they took it to the office and they sat down everyone in it to listen to this episode to hear how we can stop the hackers and it is a story about you know when the blue team is successful and i really wish i could get more blue teamers to tell me a story about when they were able to successfully stop a hacker because but if, it, i'm sorry jack i don't mean to no I, I, I do that go ahead i do, go ahead but if you look at Nux's comment in, in the chat panel, I, I think he's hitting on head that's where I was going to go with the follow-up. I don't think it's lack of the individual, so to speak, that you know don't want to share their experiences. I think it's corporate mandate, dude. I, I, I think it is this fear that if they divulge any information about the incidents, regardless of whether or not it's going to be redacted in post-prod, there's a distrust in if I do share this information with you, after I leave this room or after I close this laptop, I don't control that flow of data any longer mm -hmm. and that it could be used against me my organization i could be exposed they could be exposed and the reality is for these blue teamers that's their damn job on the line yeah right so how do we get corporate america to wake the hell up and start participating 
in intelligence sharing, threat sharing, and become more community oriented? What do we have to say to these companies to get them to participate at a greater level so that we can work together, collaborate, and help protect and defend our nation's critical infrastructures? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, one little rebuttal there, and then I'll answer your question is like, I didn't get corporate approval when I started a blog. And I started blogging about my clients' security issues, right? I just went for it and scrubbed out the data, the data, and I never got in any trouble for it. In fact, my manager really liked the blog and would use it sometimes to look things up. So, you know, I don't know if it matters to corporate sometimes, but the thing is about corporate is they're sharing themselves. If you go to places like um, uh, RSA convention, you'll see a lot of corporate uh, security folks sharing information with each other there at the conference floor. And it might be, uh, you know, just one-on-one there, but still they get that sharing helps. Like they know that and they're doing it. So um, they just don't think that it's a good idea to share publicly or, or with others. And yeah, I think, um, I think what we, what one of the next talking points I wanted to get into was, uh, you know, security really needs to start at the top. And the more that we can have security, the senior leadership get into making security a, a, an important factor here, it trickles all the way down the line because I, I don't want to be that person pushing the boulder up the hill trying to teach everyone that security is important because it's never going to get up the hill when it hits the, the senior leadership, they're just going to kick the boulder back on down and say, that's not a, on my agenda here. Um, so it right. really needs to start up there. And if it is starting up there, then we can um, you know, ask them like, hey, why don't you go on a podcast and talk about you know, some of the threats we're seeing and this kind of thing. Um, and you know, share some of the some of the personal experiences that you've had, and then that kind of you know sets the tone for for some other people, uh, you know, in in the company as well to to understand like here's what we're here's what we're getting out of, uh, you know, here's what we're putting in the world to help others be more secure, and then you know here's the impact we're trying to make to to improve the world as well. Like that, I think that would be a good thing is to uh, help others be more secure by sharing some of the things that they're doing. Excellent. All right. So we're about 50 minutes in here. We're still in kind of that sweet spot before I let you go, Jack, and, and let you off the hook here. I, I got to ask, do you have any TTPs for the listeners or hell, even for myself? Um, I mean, as far as uh, good security hygiene goes? No, I mean, just podcasting. And you're you're the king of podcasting right now. You're the award-winning podcaster. <laughs> you know we've already said let's get some inspiration. Let's get some other voices out there talking about these things and you know letting that creative flow go. So do you have any TTPs as it relates to general podcasting? I mean, I think I think everyone who's successful at something has one thing in common and that's discipline and they they work at it and work at it harder and work at it harder and work at it harder if you want the top one percent of podcasts out there only get like i don't know twenty thousand downloads per episode okay if you want to get in that top one percent you have to fight harder and work harder than the other 99% who are just trying it and giving up and failing. They have, they're 
those top 1% have stayed at it. They planted their seeds, they've watered it, they've fertilized it, they, they did something to make it better and better and better and better. And they're, they're very disciplined at getting it, uh, at learning how to just be better all the time. And so, I mean, that's, that's the, my biggest secret is discipline, practice, and uh, just those two things alone, like you're gonna, you're gonna soar for, so much further than everyone else who, who isn't even trying or is giving up because they planted their seeds in the spring and it's summer and nothing grew. Uh, so yeah, just hang in there, keep working at it, make it better and better and better and whatever you're working on, it's gonna improve and it might, um, it might take off. Absolutely, great advice. By the way, speaking of watering, you might want to check those plants behind you, bud. <laughs> I'm not good no. at keeping plants alive. I don't know why. I'm not either. Not one bit. So, with that, Jack, I want to thank you for coming on. Before I cut you loose, can we open it up to the audience and see if we have any questions or comments from the field? Yeah. Absolutely great. Thank you. All right. So, with that, if you are an audience participant and would like to raise a question or a comment for Jack, please feel free to unmute yourself now and ask those questions. If you get something in chat, I can't see chat, so go ahead and uh, read it to me if there's some. We have some comments. Uh, yeah, actually, I was shocked by the story Jack is covering in the two-part episode. Carol says she can't wait for you to publish it. No, I can't either, um, mm -hmm. especially with it being... So when you release two parts, do you do those two weeks apart or do you release those together? Yeah, that's... I think everyone's going to hate me if I release one and then say, come back in two weeks for the next one. But I think that's what I'm going to have to do because it's just taking so long to get everything ready. Hey, you know, build up the drama, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Build that in. It. It's worth the wait. This one's going to be good. Ben Nux has a few comments uh, going back a bit, I think. Uh, I'll admit sometimes. Yeah, I can jump in. Yeah, please do. Sorry. Okay. So um, it, it was really dealing with the, uh, you know, I, I brought up the, some of us are, the or I was a former, I'm a former release teamer. We're a little bit afraid because oftentimes we don't want to lose our job, right? And it might not even be a distrust um, you know, it's not that we're not trusting you with the information. It's just there's this admittedly irrational fear that what if somebody else I know listens to this podcast and somehow ties it back to me, mm -hmm. even as much as you scrub it, as much as we try to remove ourselves from it personally, there's still that fear that like oh man what if somebody hears this and says hey wait a minute we dealt with that last week i know exactly what that is yeah yeah and that's a that's a that's a good question but you know some people have a legitimate reason why they they can't share things because it, you know there, there was a story just recently that some former nsa agents shared something with the intercept and they are facing up to 20 years in prison because they shared that kind of information so yeah some stuff has some serious consequences and i'm not saying you know that stuff needs to be shared um but uh, but you know after all that stuff that has no consequences you know all that stuff that had you know take all the consequences off is there anything that you can share after that and uh that's the stuff that i think is is worth like even if someone heard you and they could say yeah yeah i know that person and i i know that situation and yeah they what they said was 
perfectly scrubbed and, and I had nothing, you know, nothing to like worry about after hearing that. Like, is that an issue to you still? Yeah. Um, no, actually, I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, they wouldn't be able to admit that they knew what was going on either. Um, isn't that right, Duncan? I mean, uh, you might know a little bit more about when you have to deal with, uh, you know, information that's secret or classified or I think they wouldn't be able, they'd have to self-report or something like that if they admitted that they knew that was classified. Yeah, that's going down a rabbit hole. I don't want to get my name behind publicly. But um, yes, there's typically, you know, TLP, traffic light protocol, right, which says where and how information is able to be shared. Uh, there's also data classifications. Now, this is normally dealing with DOD type organizations or the largest of enterprises that have fully vetted out security teams that are going to dictate what kind of information can be shared and with whom and by what means right but um yeah that's that's all i'm going to say on that matter because i i don't want to sway folks in the wrong direction and end up you know being the cause for them getting terminated or prosecuted but we are hitting up on the top of the hour again fantastic episode jack thank you so much for coming on can i ask one last question of you yeah um being i'm just gonna call it as it is you're a journalist you're you're, you're okay. a journalist that happens to focus on infosec at this point in your life now i'm just gonna call it as it is as a journalist are there any special tools or resources that you recommend to folks to be able to secure their collaboration and communication with other entities? Um, so yeah, communication. Um, there is, um, you know, some some messaging apps are more secure than others. Okay, so um, you know, Signal is a good app. Wire is a good app. Uh, these are ones that I'll use to, you know, talk to highly. Uh, you know, personal people, you know, people who, who we, we can't have tracked. Um, and, and those are the higher security protocols. Um, so messaging over those are good. Um, and you, you gotta make sure you're downloading from, you know, the, the trusted sources, the store, the app store or whatever, and not some third party place because that can be, in, you know, it's wrapped around there and listening to stuff. So um, another thing that I saw Joseph Cox do at Motherboard is he got a uh, Apple iPod as one of his secure phones and basically he installed Hangouts on it which allows it gives him a phone number and he installed uh, Signal on it and, and WhatsApp and Wire and everything and he can have you know a phone that acts as like his secure messaging phone uh, but it doesn't have a SIM card so it's not right. So he can share that number publicly without the fear of it being uh, SIM SIM swapped, which is a big uh, big deal right now. And that's a big thing is I would not share your phone number with anyone because that is, seems to be a, a major major uh, vulnerability now that, uh, in, the, in the cell phone world is somebody can, can pretty much take your phone number uh, by doing SIM swapping if you want to look up the term yep. SIM swapping. 
And, and so that's very dangerous to kind of put your phone number out there, especially if you're doing something like holding a lot of Bitcoin because somebody can take your phone, uh, take all your accounts, your Twitter account, your Instagram, and then hold you for ransom and say, look, I know you have Bitcoin because you're tweeting about it all the time. Uh, <laughs> give me all your Bitcoin and then I'll give you your uh, Twitter account back and your Gmail account back and everything. So uh, this is happening like crazy right now. That's actually very insightful. You know, the only fault I have with it is the Google Hangouts. Um, uh, I'm going to save that for another episode coming up soon. But with that, Jack, thank you so much. We are at the top of the hour. I do appreciate you joining us this evening. Just a fantastic episode. Very pleased to have been able to have you here as one of our guest co-hosts. Any final comments? Um, patch everything. Pat, if you what is that? What am I like saying here? Uh, the the <laughs> the hacking will continue until security improves. All right, there you go. All right, Jack, thank you so much. And we are going to call this a night. Now, once again, every Wednesday evening, 7 p.m. Central Time, we go live with a guest co-host who's coming from industry leadership, uh, some authors, uh, uh, you know, some of the, the guests that we have just coming up, Troy Hunt of the haveibeenpwned.com fame, and Johnson, corporate VP of cybersecurity for Microsoft. Uh, just a, a slew of other, Gary Hayslip, the, the names are just flying through my head right now, but we're booked up all the way into late July at this point. So remember, tune in every Wednesday evening, 7 p.m. We go live with our broadcast. If you can't get that, hit us up at anchor.fm forward slash cyberspeaks live. With that, folks, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you for joining us. This is Cyberspeaks Live. I'm Duncan Mackling, your host. Have a great week, and we will see you next week. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Cyberspeaks Live. Remember to visit our blog at cyberspeaks.com to sign up for our newsletter of upcoming episodes and special guest co-hosts. If you'd like to be a guest co-host or sponsor the show, please email us at speakup at cyberspeaks.com. That's all for this week. And as always, stay safe and secure out there.